RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Good morning and welcome to Closing the Distance. I'm Jeff Myers, senior pastor here at Roswell Presbyterian Church, and I'm here with Deborah Weir, uh, the recently <laughs> retired associate director of the Center for Spirituality and Lifelong Learning at Columbia Theological Seminary, a very spiritual woman who I've known for a long time, learned a lot from. Uh, Deborah, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, glad to be here, Jeff. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So, and I want, we're going to talk about fasting in particular today, but you have a lot of experience with a lot of the disciplines that we've been talking about here at the church um, during the season of Lent. How did you get into and get interested in spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines? Yeah, that's kind of an interesting story. I think, um, I don't know, I, they were sort of on my radar, kind of in early adulthood um, through you know, small group Bible studies and things like that. And I suppose you could say that uh, small group Bible studies and things were, you know, a big part of spiritual practice in those early years. But um, we were actually in one early on, my husband and I, that um, you um, you did a study and we had a conversation and then it invited you to do something different during the week. You actually had to act out something. Um, I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was like an act of service. You know, one week was about service and you had to do something for somebody yep. and come back and report on it. So, so that sort of study learning action um, piece is, was kind of built in early on in my, my adult life as a Christian. And, um, and it just sort of grew from there, more learning um, in the 80s, 90s, Richard Foster was writing, so we were studying his work, and, and there was a lot in there that really resonated with me uh, around practice. So, you know, you'd pick something up, and you'd try it for a while and do that, and, and then move on. Um, I think in terms of really going deeper with spiritual practice, that really came later. Uh, in midlife, we, uh, we made a big change. We were, in, uh, we were uh, part of a congregation that was very uh, missional in California. And um, we were really inspired by people going around the world and serving. And so this idea that we might become a part of something bigger in that kind of service-oriented way um, was, was part of that journey. Um, the surprising gift maybe was that that 
the journey was really hard. I mean, I had to really kind of rethink my, my faith, what I understood about how God worked in, in my life and the lives of other people and in the world. And, and, um, had, it really brought me back to the need for spiritual practice, my need, my own need for God and for, um, really turned me toward an inward journey, uh, been on this outer journey and so it turned me inward I had to really reflect on my life what did I believe not just what the church told me and I could repeat about uh, faith and um, so I had to think about my how God related to me and the way through that was uh, spiritual practice a lot of solitude uh, more reading more you know engagement with different practices and different communities you know being met uh, with people who were on similar journeys, you know, struggling in the kind of challenges of life as they present themselves and, and wrestling with how, how to engage with faith uh, in the midst of that. So, yeah, so I was thinking like, you, you're somebody, I mean, we all wear a lot of different hats, but you've really worn a lot of different hats. I mean, wife, <laughs> mother, um, yeah. you know, uh, you guys have lived all over the world. I mean, you guys lived in Thailand for some time, right? Yeah, we lived in Thailand for eight years, and we lived in Sri Lanka for two. So, uh, and then several places in the in the United States as well. So, did you find certain spiritual practices helpful at various stages or times, or mm. did you kind of just practice them all kind of randomly? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. Um, if I were to come back to anything particularly that's consistent for me, that's maybe more interesting right now. But um, I think the, the consistent thread for me is really solitude, uh, finding a way to have enough solitude in a day. Even now, I'm you know, I'm retired, so I have all this time, right? I still need <laughs> a lot of solitude. And, and I just appreciate it even more now, I think, than I did before when I you know, had 16 other things that I was thinking about to move into my day. But um, yeah, I, I, it's really important for me to uh, quiet all the outer voices and the competing inner voices to hear, uh, listen deeply within to my own voice and the voice of God and how we, how we connect. Right. Uh, so, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. And that's kind of, as I've been researching and reading, it seems like all the practices kind of are birthed in solitude. The solitude seems mm -hmm. to be kind of like the foundation, that centering prayer, meditation, settling yourself down. And I think yeah. there may be like nothing more prophetic in our the constant noise and busyness that we are thrown into in our culture and that we valorize. You know, if you say, I'm going to mm -hmm. go spend time doing nothing, people would just be like... <laughs> You were useless, right? And, yeah. and and so it's very prophetic to even just hear um, that yeah. it's important to find solitude in the midst of the busyness and hubbub of life. Um, okay, so we want to focus in on fasting. How would you define the spiritual practice of fasting? Yeah. Um, so spiritual practice of fasting is abstaining from, in a traditional sense, abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. And um, that last, the last piece for a spiritual purpose is really the importance, important piece of that. So, so in a way, you know, I sort of see my practice of solitude 
as a, as a fasting practice of sorts, fasting from interaction with other people. And uh, if I look broadly, I, I think about practice of Sabbath, um, taking a whole day, you know, away from everything um, as, a, as a kind of fasting practice. So abstaining from something in a broader sense. Uh, yeah. But for this spiritual purpose. Right, right. And I've been saying, um, like, oftentimes the practices are, you're saying no to something that's good. It's not that you're saying no to bad things. Sometimes you have, we have yeah. to do that. But, but oftentimes the spiritual practice is saying no to something that's good in order to say yes to a greater good. And, um, and just kind of set those things aside and abstain uh, yeah. to achieve a, a spiritual good that you couldn't otherwise. Um, and I've been thinking, you know, I'm not, uh, I didn't preach yesterday. And Lindsay and I, uh, I spent a lot of time kind of talking uh, in preparation uh, for the sermon. And I talked, you know, we talked about how, you know, in the first century, people's relationship with food was very different than our like North American yeah. relationship with food. Like, you know, it was like, you couldn't roll to the, like the local whole, whole foods, you know, and pick up your <laughs> quinoa, like, you know, you know, vegetable bowl, you know, with a, a thousand different, you know, the, it was scarce. Food was scarce. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was thinking, so what ways can we practice fasting in a healthy way in our modern kind of contemporary world? Yeah. So, um, so there is traditional, a sense of uh, food. I mean, in some ways, I feel like food is so accessible here. It's almost an addiction. And so um, anyway, it's surprising when you give it up how much, um, how much that opens up. Um, so there's that piece. And so I think when we, if we want to think about fasting in a broad sense, what, what are we going to give up for Lent, for instance, you know, what is that, that thing? Um, because we're conditioned into this uh, rhythm of eating, a pattern of eating, uh, sometimes conscious and sometimes unconscious, we have other things that are patterned into our lives um, and we can choose one of those. So it, and it's likely to be different. So it might require some self-examination. What are the noticing, you know, the things that are kind of patterned into your life, like, like reading. So it's so easy these days to always have reading and to turn our attention to our phone or to, uh, uh, you know, whatever we're carrying. And it's like, oh, well, I'm bored. I'm going to read. Right. Well, what if we what if we caught ourselves and said, no, I'm not going to read right now. I'm going to turn this moment into a moment of prayer and and create. We switch the rhythm from turning to reading to turning to prayer. So that's that's an example. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are plenty of other things, you know, we can. Um, you notice pattern of, of buying things, you know, Amazon is a finger push away. Yep. <laughs> and so, you know, what are the things that you purchase with regularity and to uh, stop purchasing that for a period of time? Um, and what do you notice about that? I think that's another piece of these kinds of practices is the self-reflective -re piece. So one is, what do you notice about that when you stop yourself from reaching for something that would be ultimately good and enjoyable, pleasurable, right? Yeah. Uh, but we, but we break, uh, we interrupt the pattern. We interrupt it. And um, 
Anyway, so what do we learn from that? And then the other piece is the turning our attention toward God. Maybe maybe we need help. <laughs> maybe it's yeah. that first prayer of help that we have to ask for. Stop me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, so it's confessional. It, it raises these questions, you know, of, yeah, well, why am, you know, why am I so, why is this so easy for me to do all the time? And I, I don't notice it until I decide not to. Um, yeah. I think you, you said something, actually, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but, you know, I feel like, I mean, why not? I, I, it was like the other day, they, you know, I was on Instagram and they got this, you know, re, new reels function. It's like it's supposed to be committing, uh, you know, competing with TikTok. They're like 10 second, 20 second kind of little vid meeting videos. And I just kept like flipping through. Yeah. And then I realized a half hour had gone by and I had not even thought about it. I just got it sucked in. Yeah. I, was like, I yeah. can't get any of that time back in my life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we, we are creatures who get patterned and mm -hmm. our attention is, is drawn away and we don't even become conscious yeah. of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So if fasting, okay, if fasting is abstaining from certain things, and I love you bring up um, consumerism and Amazon, yeah. Um, you know, you're kind of stepping on my feet, my toes there. Uh, <laughs> but like, like, okay, how, how do we go through the process really practically um, of discerning what we're, God is calling us to abstain from? Maybe this mm. week, if we're going to practice fasting yeah. during this yeah. week. Well, um, so, I, I mean, I do think it is a matter of prayer. So I, I think it's both prayer and observation. Mm. Um, you, I think most people probably already have a sense of some things that they, you know, could probably do less of uh, or let go of for a period of time. Uh, and so that's obviously a good place to start. But if you're not sure, I mean, I think there's there's a prayerful practice, you know, as we name things that you might get uh, let go of, you know, um, praying about these you know, with sitting down with God and saying, these are some things that I think I could let go of for a period of time, you know, depending on, on what, it, what you're trying to achieve. But, um, and then just, you know, in the end, you just have to run with one. You can narrow the field. And then if you can't decide, you said, well, I'm just going to go with this one and see what I learn. You know, I, I think this uh, life of spiritual practice uh, is really a journey and it's, it's interesting and kind of fun to try new things, to swap up, you know, uh -huh. change the rhythms of our life, swap things out, swap things back in. And, and it does, it shifts things. You know, we learn things we wouldn't learn otherwise. Um, so you, okay, so I like the point you made here. It's okay to shift and change uh -huh. and give up certain things, take them back yeah. on. And, um, that's really important, I think, because I think, there's some of us who are wired like, I've got to find the right way to do this spiritual practice. There's <laughs> yeah. one way, you know, and I got to figure it out. And then that that's going to solve all my problems. And that's what you're saying. It's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, some of it. So we can get caught in that kind of pattern of getting hung up on particular practices. And, you know, 
and, and sometimes it just runs dry for us. We don't, God doesn't meet us there anymore. And God, and actually I think God invites us into something new to step over into something new and will speak to us in a new way. And so we have to, you know, look for that piece, but it also can become this matter of pride. You know, it's like, well, this is my spiritual practice and I do this every day and I'm really good and regular. Well, you know, sometimes it's good to just let go of that too, you know, um, you know. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that was um, about the point of pride. And I think we may have talked about this in a previous episode, but, you know, for a long time, spiritual practices were known as a Catholic thing, you know, as a Roman Catholic <laughs> yeah. thing. And it was seen, I mean, um, Luther's kind of critique and a lot of Protestant critiques after that were that, you know, this was, a, this practices were a source of pride. You know, look how, yeah. look how what, I'm a spiritual athlete. Well, look at how, <laughs> you know, yeah. how spiritually strong I am, how I can earn God's approval or whatever it might be. <laughs> and I think, I mean, in a lot of ways through the work of Richard Foster and his book, mm -hmm. Celebration of Discipline, recovering yeah. the practices, but then saying it's not a source of pride. But it's about deepening your spirituality. Yes. You're in, intentionally entering into a deeper relationship with God. And it's not about human ego and becoming, you know, some spiritual weightlifter, but, but rather entering into God's presence and be opening yourself up to God's grace even and God's love even more fully, um, yeah. which I think is just a really important thing to understand because yeah. we're just like so... Um, I mean, human, we just are given to pride. Like, you know, like Lewis talks about, we become, you know, in the uh, screw tape letters, we, you know, we become prideful about how humble we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you think of um, a couple of things I want to say. So I've seen, I knew a couple, this husband and wife, they gave up, they used to have a, every night while they cooked dinner, they had a, a couple glasses of wine. Mm -hmm. And so one, um, one Lent, they gave up wine. And they said they had no idea how attached they were to this thing until they gave sure. it up. Um, I was thinking, um, I like one, one that I deleted my fate, the Facebook app on my phone. Uh -huh. and I had no idea how, like I absentmindedly would just open it up and start reading mm -hmm. it and, and how it was just so distracting for the rest of my life. And once I deleted it, all of a sudden I became more attentive to so many other things that were happening in my life and relationships it was really really helpful yeah. what other kinds of spiritual benefits can we expect from fasting and i know that's tricky because we're not <laughs> yeah you know, so yeah understand. we're not all the same for starters yeah uh, but um yeah i mean i think it depends a little bit on on what you're fasting from you know, time is one thing, you know, it opens up time and space to be spent otherwise, you know, whether it's in prayer specifically, or, you know, there's, we have choices to make with that time and to be, I, I think it's, it is an awareness piece. So this, this gift of greater self-awareness, you know, of, like you said, I, you know, I push the Facebook app 90 times a day and without thinking about it, or I get sucked into it, that kind of thing. And, to notice that. Um, I think with some things, I think fasting from food um, can, um, I, I was thinking about this today, you know, be, we become aware of our hunger mm -hmm. and um, to replace 
begin to replace our hunger for food with our hunger for God to say, oh, I'm feeling hunger right now. And maybe it's a prayer, you know, how, um, how am I hungry for God? And mm -hmm. how do I follow that hunger? And that, that journey would be a really interesting journey to take. Um, food itself, just because it kind of weakens the way we normally do, I just think it opens a lot of territory for self-awareness, you know, how we respond to people, you know, our body might feel, we might feel a little off and more tired. And so our um, <laughs> kindness genes may go <laughs> yeah. underground for a while, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. I remember I was in, um, I was, golly, this is me 10 years ago. I was in Egypt in Cairo and for like 10 days and we were touring around and it was during Ramadan. Okay. So Muslims don't, you know, yeah. they fast from a sun up to sundown during the day. And I noticed people like people in the marketplace, people on the street were just like arguing and getting in fights and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I asked our tour guy, I said, everybody is so aggressive. I had no idea. He said, well, that's because it's Ramadan. And you got a lot of people who are here who aren't eating and who aren't smoking <laughs> during the day. And they're very yes. irritated. <laughs> be careful <laughs> yeah yeah so fun. okay so what are some um resources we could turn to that maybe have been helpful to you that you've recommended to others mm -hmm. um in our spiritual practices that could be specifically fasting but maybe also mm -hmm. more broadly oh sure so i you know specifically around fasting i i do have Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, because he does such a nice, uh, extensive look at, at fasting itself. Um, I also thought of um, a devotional book. Um, what's the name of it? Um, oh, Living the Christian Year, Bobby Gross's oh. book, uh, Living Through the Year. And so in this season of Lent, there's a section on fasting, which I think is really, really helpful in a in a, maybe a more contemporary sense. And that's so, a really good book. It is. Especially for, yeah, just in general, but especially just for in general, yeah. who are, don't have a, any familiarity with the mm -hmm. liturgical year and the rhythms of it. Why yeah. do we have Lent? Why do we have Advent, yeah. uh, Epiphany, these kinds of things. That's a very good introduction. So I'm, yeah. glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned that. Another book that comes to mind that I have enjoyed in the last couple of years is a book by Christine Baltner's Paintner. Uh, it's called Sacred Time. And it's about, it's a, it just takes a really lovely, gentle and wide view of how we, how we view time and how we organize our life around time from the simple rhythms of breathing to practicing Sabbath to uh, consecrating time in various ways it's um anyway it connects with the natural world and cycles of the moon and you know the whole range of things okay and that's but called sacred time sacred what, time what's the author who's the author uh christine waldner's painter oh wow okay she, I, is, I'm um, I'm she has a website uh abby of the arts website uh, so okay. she's fairly she's a um, yeah, she's pretty well known in some circles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just learning. I'm just. Uh, I'm, I'm just. Yeah, yeah. I know. There's so much. There's so much out there. You have to learn new things all the time. Now, are, I wonder. Are you a spiritual director? Yeah, I am. I thought, I thought you were yeah. trained. Okay, and I think I was not 
familiar with the ministry really of spiritual directing. Uh -huh. um, you know, so I, you know, fairly late in my ministry, unfortunately. So could you say a bit about what a spiritual director does and when it might be good for someone to meet with a spiritual director? Oh, sure. So the ministry, well, it's a practice in a ministry. So the practice of spiritual direction, of course, has been really important in my life. Um, but um, the practice itself and the ministry is really a ministry of listening. So you meet with a spiritual director and you're both really listening for uh, the presence and activity of God kind of in the conversation, but also in whatever um, the person, someone brings to the conversation. So how is God present and active in this? And um, there are pieces where a spiritual director might encourage you to uh, practice spiritual di disciplines of various kinds. Um, it's all kind of voluntary because the idea is we want you, we want the person to orient toward God. The real director is always the Holy Spirit or, or God, however you would name that. And so we really want to orient you to the leading of the spirit. And, and I would say that the other thing is, it's a lot about discernment. How do we discern the movement of God in our lives and how, you know, um, we talk about uh, hearing and obeying, you know, once we've heard a word from God, we can't help but obey or follow. And so how do we hear that word and how do we follow? And then of course, what happens, what happens then, you know, um, out of that, that kind of deep listening, that faithful listening, faithful following step by step. So it's a, you know, a companion uh, on this spiritual journey um, of faithfulness. Cool. I, and I would encourage folks that, um, you know, that are listening, you know, if this is something that sounds interesting to you, how would they, how would they seek out a spiritual director? Ah, well, there are many ways you could, um, uh, you could look broadly. A lot of people are doing online direction uh, too. So you could, well, A, I would ask people that you know, that would be number one, you know. So call Jeff Myers, call, you know, start start with people you know. Do you know any spiritual directors and how can I reach out to them? So start there. Or um, the a second piece maybe to call uh, the spirituality program at Columbia Seminary. They, generally have a list there uh, of local uh, spiritual directors. Um, and that's kind of how you start. Uh, there's an international organization called Spiritual Directors International that also has a listing of people who have joined that organization. Um, and it's, uh, you can search it by location, okay. geographic location. So it's not too overwhelming, but um, <laughs> Cool. It's a long list yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you yeah, don't sure. necessarily know much about them, but, yeah. but once you start asking questions, you know, more names will come up and um, all of that. Okay. And, okay. and I, I do suggest that people interview more than one person. And just because your best friend goes to one director doesn't mean you should go to the same person. You want to have someone that you feel comfortable with and, and um, you know, just feels like a good fit. It's kind of intuitive, so. That, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, that's good. Yeah, people feel free to reach out to me and I can help connect you if spiritual directing is interesting, uh, if someone's interested in it who's listening. 
Uh, okay, so you just retired as the associate director for the Center for Spirituality at Columbia Theological Seminary. Um, what is what does the uh, Center for Spirituality do? What's their mission? Ah, so the spirituality program offers programs, courses, retreats that encourage spiritual growth uh, in people. Um, uh, also with an intent that people would become leaders in their congregations. So it is both for pastors and lay people. Uh, it, most of those programs include some of both, which is a really lovely mix because in that context, it's not your pastor, it's other pastors if you're a lay person. And uh, you can see how they are just regular people like we are and um, pastors get a chance to re relax and lay people get a chance to lead sometimes. So it's really, it's yeah. really a lovely a lovely space and it really is about uh connecting your spirit with god's spirit it's a a, a retreat and learning space uh -huh. um, that weaves things together in unique ways and nourishes the spirit Wonderful. so i would say there are two there are a couple of certificate programs one is in spiritual formation so it's more more kind of about the um you know, general spiritual journey and perhaps um, kind of leading teaching things. Uh, so you're introduced to practices and I think it's modeled in a way where you learn how to lead. So you can, if you're a teacher, you pick that stuff up. And then there's also a certificate in spiritual direction program. So uh, people who have been in direction and discern that that might be a next time, a next step in their life and ministry. Uh, you could apply to that program as well. Wow. Because I, I don't think a lot of people know about this like great treasure uh, yeah. chest of you know spirituality to really grow. And um, I can think of a lot of folks that would be really interested. So, well, Deborah, our time has come to an end, but thank you so much for talking to us about spiritual disciplines yeah. and fasting. Your ministry has meant so much to me over the years. And so it's just really fun to kind of celebrate it in a public way. And, um, and I just thank you so much for being with us and help us close the distance uh, with one another and with God. Uh, be well, and I hope to see you soon. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Deborah. We'll see everybody uh, next Monday at noon.